Hey guys, welcome to our online campus. Whether you're joining us through YouTube or our podcast, we're really glad that you're here today. Let's tune into today's message here at Higher Vision. Enjoy. So death to selfie, we're going to talk about the idea today, going from selfie to selfless. Going from concentrating all on yourself, but then opening your heart and saying, you know what, it's not all about me. I'm going to concentrate on other people and I'm going to be selfless. And we're going to learn how to do that today in the scripture. If you would stand with me, we're going to read our foundation verse, Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Let's read it together. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Lord, we thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord, to just bless you. And Lord, I just want to just praise you right now. Come on, let's just take some time and just begin to worship the Lord in your own way. Come on, just begin to say thank you. Begin to worship him and bless him for this day. Bless him for the things that you have. Come on, open up your mouth. Thank you, Jesus. Father, this is a holy moment. We're coming, Lord, before your throne and we're opening your word. So I pray, Lord, that there's expectation of transformation in this room. I pray, Lord, that people are healed, that people are delivered, that they're set free. I pray, Lord, that our minds are open, Lord, to not being focused on ourselves, God, but to be focused on the world around us. Prick our hearts today. Change us, transform us, make us new. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. You may have your seats. So we're going from selfie to selfless. Selfie to selfless. Well, I've been living in Santa Clarita for about, um, help me out, babe, 13, 14 years? Huh? Since 2005. Since 2005. So I've had an awesome neighborhood. We moved here. Um, I didn't want to move here. I was so involved in my church in Los Angeles. Uh, when we moved here, I said, look, it's further away from the freeway. I mean, we're going to have further time to get to church. And I was so involved in church. I was going to church almost five times a week. I mean, from, you know, Santa Clarita to L.A. You know what I mean? So um, I didn't want to move here. But Karen was like, hey, they have great schools. And I want to live in Santa Clarita. I said, okay, let's move to Santa Clarita. So we picked... You know, hey, she's going to get her way, right? And her husband said amen. Um, so, so we moved to Santa Clarita, and we picked a neighborhood, and our neighborhood is an amazing neighborhood. It has awesome trees. It's like a real neighborhood. It's not like, you know, really track home kind of neighborhood. It's like real, has real character. It was an amazing home. And um, I said, man, that's the kind of neighborhood I want my kids to grow up in. Because I grew up in a neighborhood like that. Mine had a cul-de-sac. It was a school at the end of the uh, cul-de-sac. It was just an amazing place. And we used to have block parties in our neighborhood. So everybody used to set up in their own uh, driveway. They used to have a different game or a different food or something like that. And it was just an amazing way to get to know your neighbors. Anybody seen Sandlot in here? Come on, if you haven't seen Sandlot, you're missing God. Come on. <laughs> Sandlot is amazing. And like they had, the, like if you see that scene, they had a block party. It was like that, right? And it was just amazing. So I want my kids to grow up in that kind of environment. But here's the thing. I only know one neighbor in my neighborhood. 
they came over to our house on Christmas and brought all of their kids and um, brought us a plate of cookies and brownies and things like that. They've done that since 2005 every single year. Every single year. Amazing neighbors. My neighbor is literally a rocket scientist. He's an amazing guy. His wife is amazing. His kids are cool. I've watched them grow up from little kids playing soccer. Now they're growing up in relationships. Some about to get married out of college. The last one is in college right now. Amazing family. And even now, on Christmas, they all come back home and all come over to our house and give us those plate of cookies. They're amazing, amazing people. Being good neighbors it's just something that can change and transform your life and transform your neighborhood. However, with all of my other neighbors, I have this kind of relationship, and some of you probably have this relationship too. So when I'm coming uh, to take the trash out and I see them watering the grass, <laughs> coming home from work, tired, lock my car, turn around, they're coming in the house. <laughs> Halloween's coming up, so we take the kids trick-or-treating. They walk up to the house. You know how it goes. Parents stand on the sidewalk, walk to, watch the kids go up, go up. Ring, ring, ring. You know, uh, trick or treat. They put the candy in the bag. They look up. You know what I mean? That's the extent of our relationship. And what I've realized is that my neighborhood and the people in it have become a backdrop to my own movie. And I'm the star. And I don't pay attention to the people who are in my neighborhood. Now, as a Christian, as a believer, I should be reaching out to my neighborhood. We did this one time, and we, and we reached out to our neighborhood. We went to go wash cars and ask people if they needed anything, but that was just one time. There needs to be a relationship that's happening with my neighborhood, with the people in my neighborhood. I need to open up my heart and my mind to these people so they can know Jesus, right? Now, I've been living there for a long time, and I'm a Christian, but here's the thing I don't want to do, and here's the thing that God doesn't want us to do. We're Christian, and we're zealous about that. We want people to know Jesus. But if I've been living in my neighborhood for two, uh, since 2005 and never talked to some of these neighbors, I can't knock on their door and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Come to my church. You know what I mean? That's, that won't work. What I need to do is build relationship with them. Not come over and come to my church. Why don't you come over and come to my house, and let's have some dinner. Let's talk about things in your family. How's your kids doing? Can I pray with you about anything? What's going on in your life? Can I go to a soccer game or something with your kids? Like anything like that. Because that's what we need to do. We need to open up our hearts and, and bless people. And so we're going from a selfish culture to a selfless culture. And in Los Angeles, this can be hard to be selfless because life is moving so fast. Um, my kids are involved in commercials and uh, they grip and run all the time. My wife is running them to L.A. for uh, rehearsals, for acting rehearsals, for auditions, and all that kind of stuff, and we can just move so fast and not really take time to be in our, in our neighborhood. And sometimes we can be scrolling on our phone. I don't know about you. I don't hate social media, but sometimes I get so tired. Uh, social media is like kind of this uh, comfort, right? You're just scrolling, just mindless. Scrolling, You know what I mean? It just feels comforting. You know what I mean? But when you're doing that, you don't pay attention to the world around you. I've got to understand that when I come home after ministering at this church, when I come home, I have a, I have a ministry at, at my house. My wife and my kids are my first ministry. If I don't minister to my wife and my kids at home, I have no business standing on the stage talking to you at all. Because I have to concentrate on my family. And that's the pe those are the people who matter the most to me. And when I minister to them, then I'm allowed and I'm authorized to minister to you. But I have to open up my eyes. And I told my son, I said, son, you got to help me to 
stopped standing on the phone because he said, Dad, sometimes I'm talking to you and you're just scrolling. I have to call your name three or four times. And I'm thinking about my son. He's about 12 years old, and I always think this way. I'm like, man, I only got six more, six to seven more years with him. And then I'll be trying to chase him and say, hey, son, please pay attention to me, right? And so I, I have to do what I can to get out of a selfish culture and step into a selfless culture. So we're going to talk about that today. And um, we're going to be in Philippians, and we're going to start the fifth verse. Let's look at the fifth verse. It says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is, it, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Paul is referring here to verse 2 when he says, I want you all, he's talking to the Philippians, I want you all to have the same mind and the same love. Paul is saying, I want you to be unified in the way that you think, in the attitude that you have, and I want you to be unified in the kind of love that you share to the world. The kind of mind that he wants us to have, the kind of attitude that he wants us to have is the attitude and the mind of Christ. When he talks about the mind of Christ, he's talking a mind that's not so um, focused on what I have to do, my agenda, but he's talking about a mind that's focused on chasing the world and understanding that the world need Jesus, needs Jesus. And I need to have that kind of mind and that type of attitude to people. But not only that, but he wants us to have the same kind of love. The love he's talking about is agape love, that kind of love that's sacrificial, that kind of love that forfeits your rights and focuses on another's rights. That's the kind of love that God is talking about. I don't know about you, but we need that kind of love in our country right now. There's so much division in our country, so many things that are going on, so many voices, right, that are happening and talking to us and giving us opinions and all this kind of things. But here's what God wants us to do, just like the Philippian church. I want you to be of like mind, and I want you to have the same faith. That means I want you to have the same kind of attitude when it comes to looking at people. I want you to have the same kind of love. I want you to be sacrificial. I want you to do something that costs you something to love someone else. The same mind and the same attitude and the same love. Christians should all have the same kind of attitude when it comes to people. That attitude works itself out in, in selfless sacrifice. I want to tell you about a story. I want to tell you about my family. So my family and my wife have been married. Me and my wife have been married for 18 years. Beautiful chocolate girl that was singing up there. She's amazing. She's a queen of our home. She's the boss. And then we have my daughter, Ashlyn. She's a boss in training. And then my son, amazing young man. He's a leader and an artist and a creative, amazing man of God. And so um, we have a family of four. But here's the problem. We have a little problem. I'm going to confess with, to you a little problem that we have. We love to eat. And Karen's a great cook. She's an amazing cook. We don't have this problem when Karen cooks. But when we're in the rat race and we're running around, we need to find something to eat, right? And sometimes we need to find something fast. You know, we can't go to a nice restaurant all the time. We need to find something fast and get it and then get home and get the kids' homework done, right? And so we're driving around. And the problem is that everybody loves different things. Anthony will eat Chick-fil-A every single day of his life if you let him. I mean, every single day. Waffle fries and the nuggets, that's all he wants. A large fry, medium, lemonade, that's his jam, right? That's what he wants to do. Ashlyn, 
she's kind of, she's like, you know what, she's between this kind of like eating meat and not eating meat because her mom is a vegan. So she's like, you know what, dad, I just want white rice. Just give me white rice. She can eat white rice and bacon all day long. That's what she can do. I mean, she loves it. She'll tell me to go to get her, a, a, you know, a chicken bowl with the vegetables and the rice. She said, say, hey, dad, cut the vegetables, cut the chicken, just give me the rice. You know what I mean? That's her thing, right? And, so, and, then, um, and then Karen doesn't eat meat. So she's a vegan. So she doesn't eat meat at all. And she's like, I can't have any of this stuff, right? And I'm a carnivore. I, love, I have a butcher. <laughs> Bob's Meats. God bless you. Go there. Amazing. You know what I mean? I love to grill. You know what I mean? I, I, I could eat a burger every single day of my life. You know what I mean? Because I'm a carnivore. So we're riding down the street, and so we're having all these different choices, and we're arguing. No, we had that last week. No, you had your choice the other week. No, I don't want this. I just want rice, right? (laughs) You know, all that kind of, it's just happening. But eventually, sooner or later, somebody's going to have to throw their agenda out the window. Somebody's going to have to throw their wants and their desires and their appetite out the window so the best can happen for the whole of the group, right? What if it wasn't about what I want, but about what we need as a community? So that's what needs to happen. So what needs to happen is we need to take our minds and our attitudes and change them to say, you know what, empty myself of, my, of the things I want, of my appetite, of all my agenda, and say, you know what, I'm going to empty myself so I can be able to love people and have the whole of the community blessed. So what happens with our family? We found this place called Whole Foods. It's amazing. They cook real food. They have meat and rice. And vegans love to eat there. It's amazing. So we found a solution. But God wants us to find a solution in our communities about how to come together and say, you know what, it's not about my agenda. It's not about who I am, but it's about who we can be and how strong we can be to change this world and to change our community. Amen? So have the same mind and the same heart. And so let me uh, say this. I didn't say my point, but let's say get your mind right. I wanted to say this because, you know what, we have to get our mind right. And the reason why we spelled it like this is because we have a person here who's awesome. He's part of our community. You probably know him as Coach Robbie. This is his catchphrase. If you talk to Coach Robbie at any length of the time, he's going to say, hey, get your mind right. And he's going to be punching at you because he's an ex-boxer. He's always like, get your mind right, Pastor, because if you get your mind right, everything else will fall into place. And that's what we need to do. Get our mind right and be in the same mind and the same love so we can bless people in our world. Amen? All right, let's go to the next scripture. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says this. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So my next point is this. You get what you pay for. Are you willing to pay the price? Have anybody ever bought something really cheap? You bought something really cheap? And then are you mad like two weeks later it breaks? You can't be mad because you bought something cheap. I always tell my wife, I say, look, look for the best price, but if you buy something cheap, it's going to break, right? So spend a little more money and buy the good thing, and this is going to last for a little, this is going to last for years, right? And so 
here's the idea we're talking about. We're talking about getting what you pay for. Look what Jesus did. He paid the price for selflessness. He paid the price. But I want you to check this out. Let's go back to the scripture, you guys. I want you to check this out. He says this. He says, who through, uh, who through he, though he was in the form of God, and then let's go to the next scripture. And then he also says he was being found in the form of a human, human form. Which is it, God? Are you in the form of God or you in the form of a human? Which are you? This is a beautiful, beautiful scripture that shows us that God is not only a divine being. Jesus was not only a divine being, but he was also fully human. He holds both those titles at one time. Here's how he does it. The Greek language is so beautiful, and when they're talking about form, it's two different kinds of form that they're talking about. When he says he's in the form of God, he means that he's unchangeable. That's who he is. He cannot change. He is God. From yesterday to today and forevermore, he will be God. But he came to earth in the form of a human, and that form changed. When we talk, when we look in the narrative of the Bible, when in Genesis, he was God the Father, right, looking over creation, right? And then he came as Jesus, the Son of Man, right? And then after Jesus, the Holy Spirit came, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. His forms change, but who he is as God never changes, right? And so that's who we are. As a human, you are human. You can't change that, but your form will change. Because you're a baby, and then you're a toddler, and then you're an adolescence, and then you're an adult, and then you're a senior. You're always going to be human, but your form is going to change. What God is telling us is that we need to change our form. Sometimes, even though you're a CEO, even though you're busy, even though you're doing a lot of things, you've got to change your form sometimes. Sometimes you've got to put on some dirty clothes and go out and find the homeless, right, and be able to, to get in the dirt with them and say, hey, what do you need? You know what I mean? We went out this week. We went out on Thursday and went out this week and went and found some homeless and said, what do you guys need? And start building relationships. Yeah, I'm a pastor. Nothing about that changes, but i got to change my form sometime to be able to reach the people that God wants me to reach. So I'm going to tell you this story. I used to work at Countrywide Home Loans for 13 years. Don't be mad at me. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> but I used to work there. It was an awesome job. I blessed God for it because... Uh, when I got married, I, I, I got this job like uh, maybe two or three years after we were married. And it was an awesome job. It uh, allowed me to buy my home, allowed me to move to Santa Clarita, allowed me to send my kids to private school. Awesome things, right? I loved it. I loved it for that fact. But I hated being at Countrywide because I sat in a cubicle, I wrote reports, I called people about things that I did not love. I hated being at Countrywide because I knew my purpose. And when you know your purpose and you're stuck in something that you don't want to do, it's so frustrating, right? And so I was just sitting there like praying like, Lord, get me out of this job, please. But he would not let me go. I didn't get fired. I survived three layoffs. They just wouldn't let me go. And I was like, Lord, get me out of this job, please. You know what I mean? I tried to find another job, couldn't find another job. Tried to find a job in ministry, couldn't find that. I was just stuck. And I said, okay, Lord. And the Lord just would not let me leave. And I said, okay, Lord, well, maybe I can do something in ministry here. So I went and started reading my Bible at the lunch counter, up at the lunch tables on my lunch hour. So I started reading the Bible and just didn't have any intention 
to do anything else but just read my Bible. Some guy walks by and says, psst, hey, you read your Bible. <laughs> and I say, yeah, bro, you want to read it with me? No, not this week, but next week. <laughs> and I said, okay, okay, come by next week. So he comes next week, started reading his Bible, and then we're sitting reading our Bible, him and I, and then another person comes by and says, hey, you guys read your Bible? <laughs> yes, we're reading our Bible. And I said, okay, they come back next week. Then it happened over and over again until we had 13 people reading our Bibles at lunchtime in a corporate setting. From those 13 people, we started a Bible study that spanned two buildings in Countrywide. And for seven years, we preached the gospel in a corporate setting. You know what that was? That was me changing my form. Nothing could change the fact that I was a pastor in my heart. Nothing could change the call that was on my life. God was just saying, you don't need a stage to do that. You don't need a church to do that. You need to be who you are wherever God has planted you. And I guarantee you, God has planted you in some places that you need to be what God has called you to be. You need to call those things. That, you need to do those things that God is calling you to do because he has made you who you are wherever you are. This is the genius of God. God puts himself in all of us and spreads us out in the world. That's why this is only a fill-up station. When you come to church on Sunday, you ought to be filled up to go out to the world and bless people. Listen, I want you to understand something about the scripture. The scripture says the fivefold ministry, the pastor, the preacher, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet, all of those people are for this, right? They're to fill you up and to prepare you for the work of the ministry. It's not our job to do the work of the ministry. It's to make you ready and equipped for the work of the ministry. So that means that you just don't come sit in a chair, but you come get filled up, and then you start a circle in your neighborhood. You come get filled up, and then you go to the homeless and try to feed them. You come get filled up, and then you start something for people to know about Jesus. Because we have to have the same mind and the same heart, and we have to be willing to change our form. And then the scripture says, let's bring up the scripture again. The scripture says in verse 7, but he emptied himself. Now we just said God is God and that never changes. But you know what he did? He emptied himself out. And he said, you know what? Even though I'm God, I'm going to step off of eternity and step off of my throne. And I'm going to go to the earth. And I love this. I love to say it this way. He put on a dirt suit. And he came down here and lived like you and I live. And not only that, but this is amazing. God says that he was tempted at all points just like you and I are tempted. Whatever you're going through, God has gone through. Whatever you're going through, God knows and he feels that pain. He knows what it's like because he decided to step out of his throne and become who he was. He decided to say, you know what, even though I'm divine, I don't count that as something to be grasped. I'm going to let that go so I can be able to bless these people down here. I need to come to the earth because they can't do it on their own. I need to live the sinless life that I want them to try to try to live. And so I need to come down here. And so that's what he did. He came down and he lived like we live. And you know what? You know what he did when he did that? He put the right kind of price on our lives. 
he put the right kind of price on our lives. When we do what we're supposed to do and open our heart, we put the right kind of value on people's lives. When I'm walking around my neighborhood and I make my neighbors a backdrop to my own movie, I'm not putting the right kind of value on their lives. However, when I open up my heart and I go to people and look them in their eye and say, what can I do for you today? How can I build a relationship with you today? That's putting the right kind of value on their lives. We need to value who people are because God values them. And look at this. Let's go back to the scripture. Let's go to verse 8. And he says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Obedient to the point of death, even on the cross. Listen, Jesus, have you heard this saying? Jesus paid it all. He gave everything, everything. The Bible says that God gave his only begotten son. He gave everything that he had. Far be it for us to say, man, I can't, I can't start a circle. I, I can't go and minister to the homeless. No, Jesus gave everything because he put the right kind of value on people's lives. And when we give everything to God, and when we say, God, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to give of myself just like Jesus did, you know what can happen when we have the same unity of mind, when we have the same kind of heart, when we empty ourselves, when we make sure we change our form, you know what can happen? There becomes an atmosphere of expectation and transformation in this place and in all over our community. And that's what we can do. I don't know about you, but God still moves. God still changes people. God still uh, works miracles in our lives. He still does things. And that's what I want to do. I want to see the miraculous happen in our church. I want to see the miraculous happen in our community. But we've got to open our heart, empty ourselves, and do what God is calling us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's go to the next, the next verse here. It says, therefore... God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's my last point. In the kingdom of God... Selfies don't go viral. Selflessness does. Selflessness does. Look at, what, look at what the scripture is saying. The scripture says that because Jesus humbled himself, because he made sure that he didn't grasp onto his divinity, but made sure that he could come down and bless people and, and was here to be, to be a servant and not to be served, the Bible says that God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Let me tell you something about the Philippian church. The Philippian church was started, and you know this was coming because I'm the group's leader here at the church. You know this is coming. The ch Philippian church started by a prayer circle. There were some women that started a circle at a river. And one of those women's name were, uh, was Lydia. And she started a prayer circle. They used to come to the river every single Sabbath and pray. And you know what? Paul and Barnabas went to that prayer circle one day. And when they went to that prayer circle, she opened her house so they could have a place to stay and have a base of ministry. 
when she opened her house, you know what happened? They had a base of ministry, and then they went out into the community and started preaching in the community. You know the story. Paul is, is going about his business one day, and then a girl who's possessed with a demon starts mocking him. And then he says, and then he calls the demon out of the girl and casts the demon out of the girl. The master who owned the girl got mad and then threw him in prison. They were in prison, and then what happened was they began to pray and sing praises, and then what happened was an earthquake happened, and then everyone's bands was loose, and all the prisoners were free from the prison. But, and they were about to run away, but Paul says, no, 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 don't run away. We want to say, because I don't want this guy to be killed, right? And so the guy gets down on his knees and says, what must I do to be saved? And so all that happened in the Philippian church. That's how the Philippian church started. And so it started from a circle. It started from a person opening up their home and saying, you know what? I'm going to be like Jesus, and I'm going to be selfless. I'm going to give something that hurts, that gives me, a, 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 that um, costs me something that has a personal cost to me. I'm going to open up my house. And because of that, Lydia opened up her house, and then the gospel was preached in Philippi. So what does selflessness do? It does this, first of all. Let's bring that up, guys. Selflessness breeds successful, fruitful communities. Because of Lydia, this community was fruitful. Because of her little prayer circle, God blessed everyone in that community. And Paul brought a church that transformed that city because she was selfless. What is the next thing that selflessness does? Selflessness opens the door for transformation. I'm so excited because God is doing that in our church. Last week, we had a lady named Karen who came here and she had glaucoma surgery and the surgery went bad and she could not see and she couldn't even drive. But because of a selfish act of her friend, came to her house and said, you know what, I'm going to take you to service. And Karen said, I'm not going to let this blindness, I'm not going to let the fact that I'm in pain or can't see stop me from coming to my community. And so her friend drove her to church. And then she got her out of the car and helped her into the building. And when she helped her into the building, then they began to pray for her in her SGI class. They laid hands on her eyes. And then she began to see again. And the pain went away. She was healed. She was blind. But now she sees because of selflessness. Because selflessness breeds transformation. I want to be transformed. But if I'm selfless, God will do something in a circle that he will never do in a row. When we're sitting side to side, we can't see each other's faces. I don't know your story. If you get up, and get up out of here and go and don't look at me again, we'll never know each other's story. But if you get in a circle, if you know my story, if you know what I need prayer for, you'll be able to pray for me specifically about my needs. It breeds transformation. I talked to a man after the last service. He was crying and weeping and came up to me and he said, I was robbed last week. I'm a photographer and they stole everything except for one camera. They stole everything. And I was devastated and didn't know what I was going to do. Someone put up a GoFundMe page for this man. Not only has everything been replaced, but he's even getting more money to buy more equipment. Why? Because someone was selfless enough to open up their heart and say, you know what? I know you're a good guy, 
and I know you didn't deserve to be robbed, so I'm going to open up my heart, and I'm going to start giving, and I'm going to ask other people to give. And when, he, when they did that, transformation happened. What can happen in your neighborhood? What can happen with the people that you need to help? If you just open your heart, what transformation can happen? God can do anything if we open our heart. The next thing that, trans, that selflessness does is expand your territory, exposes our mission, and deepens our impact. The Bible says, therefore God has highly exalted him. He expanded God's territory. Gave him a name above every name. He exposed his mission to tell people about Jesus, to tell people about the name that can save anyone. And then he deepened his impact. He gave him a name that at the name of Jesus, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. What can happen? What did Jesus do? He took one message. One message he had, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, right? One message. And then he took 12 guys, 12 young teenagers. He took 12 young teenagers and wrote and walked with them and taught them for three years. So one message, 12 guys and three years, and he turned the world upside down and changed it forever. What can God do with you? What can God do with your gift? What can God do with your neighborhood? What can God do with the burdens that he's placed on your heart? I don't know about you, but he can transform the city. He can transform the world if we just open ourselves and go from selfie to selfless. So let's change. Let's change this city. Let's change the world around us. And if you don't listen to anything else, I say listen to this the last thing I got to say. If you never take your eyes off yourself, you'll always be blind to the world around you. Take your eyes off of yourself. There's people who need you. Everybody in here, everybody in here, I don't care who you are, you have an audience. My wife has an audience that I can't touch. We have a barber. He's awesome. His name is Miguel. He's a believer. And I talk to him about God. Karen talks to him about God when he brings, she brings Anthony in there to get his hair cut. But you know what? I can say something to Miguel and say, hey, man, this is what God is saying to you. And he'll one ear right out the other. But Karen can tell him the exact same thing in a different way. And he'll come and say, hey, Karen told me Dustin. So I'm like, bro, I just told you that. But you know what? Miguel's not my audience. It's Karen's audience. Each of you have your audience. So we got to be selfless enough to open ourselves to the audience that God has ordained for us to have. I can't talk to the people. I can never affect the people that you can affect. There's some stuff, Raj, that you went through that I've never gone through. And somebody else gone through the same thing. And you can be, just, you can be more impactful than I ever could be. If you're, if you're selfless enough to do it. 